I'm your host, Jason Brown, the co-founder of Surf Blue, coming to you straight from the Surf Blue Studios. And of course, we're sponsored by the one and only SurfBlue.com. So in this episode, I want to talk to you about a question that I got from somebody that was, uh, how do you stay motivated uh, with your work, with your goals, with your dreams, even when it seems like everything's falling apart? Even if it's not falling apart, it seems to take forever and ever, and it just stretches for long periods of time. You know, it's not your day, it's not your week, it's not your month, it might not even be your year. It's just stretching out, and you're starting to lose hope and faith. Uh, You know, how do you stay motivated with that, uh, especially when you don't even have family support? And this is a topic that's, that's pretty dear to me because... Uh, like every entrepreneur, like every person that has a goal, there's going to be times where it feels like you're not reaching those goals, like they're just uh, out of reach, no matter how hard you try. There's going to be times where friends and family members try to talk you out of something, uh, you know, whether that's for your own good or whether that's because they don't understand and they're not on the same wavelength as you. You're always going to have times when family or friends are not supportive. So this is what this podcast is about. I'm going to tell you a few things that have helped me stay motivated. And to be quite honest, a lot of this is stuff I've talked about in other podcasts. So for the person that asked me this, uh, they they probably haven't listened to my other podcasts or seen my other blog posts. Uh, But I'm going to go into how I stay motivated, even if I don't have family support. So if you followed me for any amount of time, you know that I will eventually talk about or write about uh, core values. Uh, I'll even write about personality types. And really what this gets back down to is uh, the Briggs-Meyer test, the Enneagram, core values, priorities, mission statement, goals. And that is a large part of what makes and keeps me motivated. Because when you really break down to it, there's going to be a 50-50 chance that you're going to fail or that you're going to win, that you're going to achieve a goal or not. Did you achieve a goal? Yes. Did you achieve a goal? No. It really comes down that simply. I don't have a lot of gray areas in my life. I look at a lot of things black or white. You either achieved a goal or you didn't. And that's kind of where I get the 50-50 chance. So if I really look at things, you know, there, there's a high percentage that I'm going to fail because it's 50%. To me, that's a high percentage. I'm going to fail at something. Would I, would I rather fail at something and be miserable? Or would I rather fail at something and be happy? The obvious choice is I would rather fail at something and be happy. And that's kind of where these values, goals, priorities, mission statements, Enneagram, Briggs-Meyer test, uh, core values all fit in. And this is what I mean by it. You know, my Migs Briar is an INTJ. My Enneagram is a 5W4. You don't have to know what that is right now. Don't, don't look those numbers up right this second or try to type into Google to figure that out during this podcast. Do that later. In a nutshell, what that means is I like working on projects by myself. Uh, that doesn't mean I cannot be a team player. But it means that I like to do things myself. I really live by the motto, if you want something 
done well, you've got to do it yourself. Now, I've worked in teams. I have a partner in Serpu. I've had partners before. That doesn't mean that I'm against working with other people's. I have a tendency, though, to love working on things myself, to take control of things myself. And part of the, the reasoning behind that does fit into an INTJ. An INTJ doesn't like to take orders. So if I'm working in a team, I'm possibly not the team leader. If I'm working with a partner, I might not be the, the stronger leader in that partnership. Uh, if I'm working with other people, I'm having to rely on other people and potentially have to take orders or negative feedback from other people. And I like autonomy to do the things that I want to do the way that I want to do them when I want to without question. Now that you know that part about me, could you really imagine me working in a corporate job setting in a cubicle where maybe I have a manager and a director and a vice president and ultimately a president or CEO? All of those people giving me orders right down the chain. Me being the lowest person potentially on the totem pole. I mean, even if I was a director, I still have somebody above me. And uh, I've got to be accountable for what their dreams and goals are. And I just don't fit that. I also would not fit into the military. So now that you know that about me, I would be unhappy in those roles. Uh, you know, if I was in the military, potentially. I have nothing against people in the military. I'm talking about myself and my per per personality type. This might be something that somebody might take offense to. I don't know why, because I haven't said anything offensive, but I'm being honest about who I am and what I am. And I, I'm real truthful about that. I wouldn't fit into the military. I have worked jobs. I didn't fit well into it. There was always me going against the grain, and the grain was always my employer. Um, so I was always unhappy in those roles. And when I would fail towards my goals, whether they were goals, personal goals, whether they were goals within the business, and I failed, I was already miserable because I was miserable in the situation that I was in. Now, being happy would be, in general, me working for myself, being an entrepreneur, doing my own projects, managing my own projects. And then when I fail at those goals, at least I was happy doing it. I was doing it my way. I was working on my projects. So that's kind of like the baseline of what I'm telling you right here. You know, I would rather be happy and fail than miserable and fail. So that's one part of it. If you listen to one of my prior podcasts, I also talk about layering, uh, you know, especially when it comes to making decisions and layering. Here's where layering kind of takes part into uh, me being happy and me either meeting or feeling like goals. So now that you know that as an entrepreneur or working on my own projects, I, I would be happy because that fits my personality type. Now I start looking into what kind of projects am I working on as an entrepreneur? When I look at my core values and I look at my priorities and I look at my mission statement that I took a lot of time to create those things. And I really look at, uh, you know, what it is to be an INTJ or 5W4 on the Enneagram scale. I came up with these core values and, and I came up with um, priorities and I came up with a mission statement. And those ultimately led me to what my real goals are. To give you a little insight on those, I love to teach people, you know, whether it's uh, teaching them something about digital marketing or about business. I love to teach people. 
As much as I'm still like this uh, very shy person, I love to teach people what I know and what I can share with them. So if I was building uh, a made for AdSense site that, uh, you know, say was uh, 300 pages of spun content with AdSense and eBay ads on it and, and Amazon ads, and I failed at that, I, I would already be kind of miserable because according to uh, my values, my priorities, and my mission statement, part of that I shared with you was teaching other people. There's nothing about that AdSense site that's teaching other people. If I was to build an e-commerce store, there's nothing about that, about teaching people, unless it was e-commerce about books that I wrote and sold. But if you look at it as a typical Shopify store, uh, that that's not a part of my values and goals. So if I spent a lot of time on that AdSense site or that Shopify site and it failed, I was already kind of miserable because those two products are not aligned with my personality. They're, they're not aligned with my values, priorities, uh, mission statement, goals, yada, yada, yada. What that really comes down to is now that I know who I am, uh, because I did the mixed prior test, and I did the, the Enneagram, and I know I'm an INTJ and a 5W4, and I like autonomy, and I like being an entrepreneur, and there's certain fields of study and sports that I would really be, be, be good at, and those are all loner sports like uh, swimming, triathlon, surfing, even tennis to an extent, and running. Now that I know that, and then I go through the work of doing my core values and my mission statement and my priorities, and I came to teaching other people as a part of that, that's how I know that working on those AdSense sites and those e-commerce sites, though I could be successful, if I fail, it's going to make me more miserable because I wasn't doing something that aligned with me. So now that I know that I want to be an, an, an entrepreneur, now I'm looking at what kind of projects can I do? And something that fits into those uh, types of projects is Surf Woo. Um, you know, the reason why I built Surf Woo was to teach myself some skills that I had missed over years of doing pay-per-click advertising and ignoring search engine optimization. I used to be great at search engine optimization. And then I went into several years of being solely devoted to pay-per-click. So when I wanted to come back into SEO, years had passed and I had neglected it. So I built Surf Woo for myself to teach myself and to get an advantage. And along the way, I've been able to, uh, to help teach with my partner tens of thousands of other digital marketers and entrepreneurs. Uh, another thing that goes well into teaching other people would be something like ebooks, this podcast, YouTube videos, online courses, consulting one on one with people. These are all things that if I'd stuck to those type of projects, I could succeed in. But if I failed, it's not like a failure with an e-commerce store because this is something I actually enjoy and fits me. That doesn't guarantee my success. I could still fail. But what I'm trying to impress upon you is, is if I fail, I'm working on projects that are aligned with me. I'm not working on projects not aligned. Like, again, that AdSense site or an e-commerce store or even working in a corporate job sitting at a desk for, for nine to five. So that helps me with my motivation because I'm always working on projects that truly, genuinely fit me. So even if I fail, I've gained a lot internally out of it. 
I wake up every morning wanting to work on these, whether I fail or succeed, because they're aligned uniquely with me. I think a second part of motivation is there has to be something emotional that drives you. It cannot just be something artificial that you just make up one day, like, I want to save elephants. Uh, I want to feed little kids in Vietnam. I want to help inner-city children with financial success or with entrepreneurship, because there's a lack of that potentially in the inner city. I don't know, but it has to be emotional to you. Emotional to me is not helping you know, elephants in the wild. It's not helping kids in Vietnam that I don't know of. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't help them if I was there and able to, but that's not my motivation. That's not my emotional trigger, okay? You know, I'm not emotional about helping uh, people in other countries. Um, You know, that doesn't mean I wouldn't. As a matter of fact, I sponsor a child in Honduras. And I help people in other countries, but that's not my motivation. That's not my emotional trigger. So you've got to find what is your emotional trigger. And if it isn't emotional, if it doesn't make you choke up or if it doesn't get your adrenaline pumping just thinking about it, it's not emotional enough to really be your true motivational trigger. It might be very close and maybe because you haven't spent a lot of time defining what it is, you've got as close as possible. You know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I want the Lambo, I want the yacht, I want the lifestyle on the beach. And it's just because other people have told them that. Uh, When you really dig into it, it could really just be as simple as they want autonomy and freedom and financial independence to do what they want, when they want, how they want, no questions asked. But it manifests, manifests itself out as the Lambo, the yacht, the the mansion on the beach, uh, because that's the closest thing that they know to get to financial independence. It's not that the Lamborghini is actually their emotional trigger. It's the financial independence is their true emotional trigger. They just haven't been able to dig down to the core yet because they they, they, they haven't done the work yet. Now, it's okay if you're materialistic and you want those things. Hey, I would love to have a Lambo too, but you really need to figure out what's your core emotional trigger. Wanting a Lambo does not get me out of the bed in the morning. So I'm going to be real honest and raw with you. Uh, You know, sometimes my emotional triggers, whether you think they're good or they're bad, they are what work for me and me uniquely. One of the emotional triggers that I have is I love being a maverick. I love being the underdog. I love being the devil's advocate. In general, I love to argue. And I always love to take the other side of an argument or situation just because I can. Not because I believe in it or I want to to be that person. I do it because I can in spite of the other side of the argument. That's why I do it. Again, I I don't do it because uh, I think I'm right or that I think the other person's wrong. I do it just because I can. And that's one of the traits, actually, of an INTJ or somebody that's a 5W4 sometimes, is that they're willing to take that other side of the argument just because they can, just to get a rise out of the other person. And you'll never know it because a lot of times they won't even admit that they're doing it. So with that being said, 
Uh, I remember that I had an employer one time. It was just him. So he was a self-employed person. He had hired me and gave me uh, a salary to come in and work for him. And parts of this person, I just did not like. Uh, I kind of despised. He came from a rich family, so he had silver spoon in his mouth growing up, which I kind of resented because I was on the other end of the spectrum. I came from a not a poor family, but uh, a middle, a lower middle income family. I, you know, anything he wanted, he got. He got to go to college. Uh, I got to go to a community college that I paid for myself. Uh, his family basically gave him money, which is how he had the business he had now. He was a marketing agency, and he was by himself. And the guy wasn't making sales. He was basically living off his fam- family's money, but pretending that he had this business and that he was an entrepreneur. And I'm doing air quotes here, but really what he was doing was just living off his his mother and father. Okay, uh, So I came into the scene because I knew di- uh, digital marketing real well. And he and even though he was a digital marketing agency or, or that's what he proclaimed to be, he was really just a web designer. And then I came in and I actually did the development. So I did the PHP work. Uh, I, I brought in new revenue for, for him, like hosting plans. So I got him set up as a reseller. I came in and did all the digital marketing. And this guy told me when he hired me that he had secured my salary for the whole year. Now, I knew that he was getting it from his family, but he had secured my salary for, for a whole year. So I left my other job to come work for him pretty much based on I was finally going to start doing what I loved, which was digital marketing. I was on the ground floor with this quote-unquote marketing agency, and he basically secured my salary for a year, so I felt really comfortable. Within four months, this guy went out of business. Um, Now, when I say he went out of business, he basically let me go so that he could keep uh, living off his family's money. And it, it really aggravated and got to him because not one time would this guy go out and sell stuff. You know, he was more concerned with buying T-shirts with the company's logo on it and getting cell phones. Uh, so I, I really ended up despising the guy because I could have just stayed at my old job if I knew in four months I'd be unemployed. And I remember that, um, you know, my last week there, I had a conversation with him where I was talking about doing affiliate marketing and may and maybe trying to do stuff on my own, and he just kind of laughed about it. And I, I said, you know, that this is something that I could be a millionaire at. And he just laughed at me. He's like, Yeah, right. Yeah, you and and uh, several other thousands of people. So we parted ways. I hadn't talked to the guy in a long time. I knew I would run into him though at some point in the future because I've I've had this ability to run into people from from the past all of the time before. And I knew I'd run into this guy again. And the entire time after I left and before I made a lot of money in affiliate marketing, I kept thinking about him laughing at me like I like I wasn't worthy enough to do it, like I couldn't do it, like why couldn't it be Jason Brown? And that motivated me because I knew I'd run into this MF again sometime in the future. And I knew that he would probably bring it up. I wouldn't bring it up first. And in my dream of how this would end in, into the future. You know, like, like my conversation in the future with him, if it ever happened, would be him and I somehow talking and meeting and him saying, hey, do you ever, uh, you know, make millions in, in, in affiliate marketing? And I just coyly say yes. And and I shut him down. I kid you not, that ended up happening. And it, it went exactly 
like I just described. I talked to the guy. He brought it up. He was kind of joking about it, laughing about it. And I said, yeah, actually, I did make millions. And uh, I never talked to the guy again afterward. Uh, so, you know, that was my motivation was being the underdog, wanting to show this person up, be on the other side and prove to them that it can be done. That that That's happened several times before. Again, that's my emotional trigger. I hear lots of people when I started out and I was doing stuff online, they would say, oh, this is just a fad. It's never going to go anywhere. It, it's kind of like what they talk about with Bitcoin right now. Now, I'm not arguing if Bitcoin is a fad or not, but it, but it was the same air. It was the same situation. People would say, oh, this Internet stuff is a fad. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're going to be able to do your banking online and get loans online take out food, order food online, do all kinds of crazy stuff online. And everybody just laughed at me. I even remember my wife's mother telling me one time, who would ever buy insurance online? Because I was having a conversation with her about working with an insurance company and helping them get online. And she just kept saying, who would buy insurance online? Even myself, when Redbox first came out, I thought to myself, who's going to put their card in this random box sitting here next to a McDonald's and trust their card with this little red box? And I was proved wrong. You know, that took off. You know, but that was the situation back then with other people. And it really struck a nerve with me because it was, even though the whole who would buy insurance online wasn't about me personally, it was still about you know, this isn't going to work. You're in, you're in the wrong field. You're doing things that are not going to work out. That's what it all fell under. And I just got this burning pit inside of me, this ember, uh, that, that exploded because I was like, you know, why not me? Why not this insurance website? And that really drove me to make sure that I did the best that I could and that I got up every morning to prove her wrong. And these emotional triggers, can be per project of yours too. Uh, you know, with Serp Woo, it is me saying, why not Serp Woo? Why can Serp Woo not have its moment like Moz or Majestics, SEM Rush, others out in the space who copy us and rip us off and ignore us, the bloggers that don't talk about us, the competitors that steal from us, the, the people that, uh, you know, sign up. And for whatever reason, they it just doesn't click with them, and then they cancel. Uh, you know, it is about why not Serp Woo when it comes to an emotional trigger about the projects that I work on with Serp Woo. Now, I work on other projects outside of Serp Woo. I've got a client base for pay-per-click advertising. My emotional trigger is much different. It 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 isn't about why not Jason Brown or why not pay-per-click or why not my client when it comes to pay-per-click? It's a different emotional trigger for that project. Uh, but on a project like Serp Woo, it is about why not Serp Woo? Why not their day-to-day? You've got to get to your core emotional trigger that ends up motivating you. It doesn't have to be the same trigger that I have. Your trigger could be that you know you want to secure financial independence for yourself or for your mother and take care of your mother or your father or your grandparents. It could be that you do want to save elephants in Africa. Uh, you know, whatever your core emotional trigger is, 
you've got to really dig down deep into that and you can have that uh, be different per project that you work on. Now, I'm not telling you or advising you that you have to work on a lot of different projects, uh, but if you do, your core trigger can be different per, pro per project. It, it doesn't have to always be the same core trigger and it doesn't have to be the same month in, month out, year in, year out. Mine have changed according to my situations over time and they change per project. So I think those are the two main things that you have to have to stay motivated even when you don't have family support. You've got to align yourself with projects and work that uniquely fit you, whether that's your personality or whether that's your values, goals, and priorities. Those two things are extremely important. I was not happy with who I was. I was not happy working in a corporate setting. And even when I became an, an entrepreneur, I realized that there were projects that just did not fit me, and those made me unhappy too. Because when you work on projects that make you miserable and you do fail, it's even worse. But when you work on projects that are aligned to you and fit you, uniquely fit you, and you fail, it's not as bad. So you've got to realize what's going to keep me happy even when I fail. The second part of this is you've got to find a reason for why you get up. And it's got to be emotional. If it's some sugar-coated, sprinkly, some, you know, something else that, that the world has told you, you might be motivated for a week, maybe even for a month, maybe even for a few months. But that's going to wear off. When you realize that it's been nine months and you still don't have the Lambo, you're going to give up. You need to find a core emotional trigger like I did. You know, mine was unique for me that gets you up every morning so that even if you're working on projects that fit you, if you're work doing work that is aligned with you and you still fail, you can still get up and try again because that emotional part is going to keep you going as well. So my advice to you is to find out what uniquely fits you. Go back to the podcast that talks about core values. Go to Builder Society, type in core values, find my thread. Or if you're on the Fastlane Forum, go to the Fastlane Forum, do the exact same thing, type in core values, find my thread, read it, do the work, find out who you are, Find out your true core values, your priorities, your mission statement that you create, and then create your goals around that, and then find work that fits those goals. So even when you fail, you're still motivated. You're still loving the work that you do. And then after that, really dig in deep and ask yourself, what's that emotional trigger? What gets you choked up when you think about it? Or what gets that adrenaline pumping just thinking about it? And then use that as your motivation to get up every morning. Mine was I wanted to stick it to the people that said Jason Brown was not going to do it. Or that the stuff that I was working on wasn't going to pan out. I wasn't going to let myself be a motherfucking loser. And that's what drove me. Even when I worked on stuff that I hated, it drove me so that I could just one day in the future have that to say, you were wrong and I was right. 
your emotional trigger could be completely different than that, but you've got to find yours and you've got to latch on to that and you've got to ride it just like a bull. So that's the end of this podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, or issues, leave them below and I'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.